0: Musical, linguistic. Greetings from Cyberdelic Space, this is Lorenzo and I'm your host here in Psychedelic Salon 2.0. Now here in the States, today is a holiday that we call Memorial Day. For me, uh, well, it's a day where I remember not just our fallen military veterans, which is the main purpose of this national holiday, but it is also a day that I try to remember and thank everyone who has come before me and who helped to make my own path a little smoother. Until 1971, this holiday was called Decoration Day, and it was traditional in our family to go out to the cemetery where my grandmother and great-aunt were buried clean off their grave sites, and then decorate their graves with fresh plants and flowers. Much later, when I was living in Florida, I would join some of my veteran friends and attend a memorial service at the nearby military graveyard. But lately, I hate to admit, I no longer make it to the local military cemetery. However, I do try to spend a little quiet time thinking about my own friends and acquaintances who have lost their lives in a war. So it came as a really nice surprise this morning when I received the email from Lex Pelger with today's program. It's an interview with Ian Benoas, who I've talked about here in the Salon before. I've never had the opportunity to meet Ian, but I've known about his work with veterans for quite some time now. And so I am very much looking forward to listening to this interview along with you on this Memorial Day in 2017. Now, here's Lex. Hey everybody, I want to put in a word about our
1: sponsor, for our sponsor. Everybody knows and loves our host, Lorenzo. If you want to thank him for his years of hard work on this podcast, he now has a Patreon where you can do so. It's to support his new project creating a post-modern autobiography. If you know his earlier book, Scattered Thoughts, which is excellent, you'll get an idea of what he's up to. Support him on his Patreon for updates, But most of all, support him because he's Lorenzo. As it says on the donations page of the Psychedelic Salon site, his only income, besides a social security check, is donations from listeners like you. So if you smoked at least a bag of grass listening to this show, you can afford to donate those 40 bucks to Lorenzo directly via PayPal or to support his work monthly on Patreon. Go to psychedelicsalon.com and click Donations. If ever there was a psychedelic grandfather who deserved it, it's Lorenzo. I'm Lex Pelger, and this is Symposia on the Psychedelic Salon 2.0. Today we talk with Ian Ben-Weiss, a veteran working to get plant medicines out to others who served. Ian is a former Black Hawk helicopter pilot, a graduate of West Point, and a former army officer involved with Operation Just Cause in the Republic of Panama. That was the largest operation in U.S. history that focused directly on the war on drugs. Now, many years after his service, he works through groups like the Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy, and the Weed for Warriors project to bring the plant medicines to the soldiers. To see more about his work, there's a feature-length documentary called Shock to All, an episode on Viceland titled Stoned Vets, and he writes an intriguing blog called The Psychedelic Musselman. There, he references the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 8. Ask the plants of the earth, and they will teach you. Here's Ian.
2: Hey, Lex, great to uh, great to be here, man.
1: Awesome. Um, well, my thing, my first question is, what was the background that brought you to doing this work at the intersection of veterans and plant medicines?
2: Sure, sure. Well, I really got started on plant medicines when I got out of the Army and started healing myself. I didn't know there was a thing called trauma. I just knew somehow I needed to get myself back in so I could be integrated back in society. And then really, uh, you know, Plant medicines were occasional in my life with my family, my kids, and my wife growing up. But uh, really kind of just to keep the tune-up going, and my family was my medicine. And then uh, about three years ago, through an event that happened here in Austin with uh, the local Normal group, it was the first time they had a veterans conference put on by Normal. And I went there, and just hearing the stories of these other veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan and even other wars in Vietnam, just to share their stories and how they were still broken and not healed. (laughs) And it was just, it it brought all these things out of me that uh, made me realize that I still had more healing to do. So that was kind of started my healing 2.0 and I'd already had all this experience and connection to these plant medicines and it was time for me to dive in for them personally. So yeah, almost a year, two years ago now I, uh, took ayahuasca for the first time in, what, yeah, 18 years. I'd taken it 18 years earlier. So, uh, yeah, so I, so I dove back in, and uh, knowing what these medicines have done for me and have continued to do for me, and having the veteran connection open me up and see the healing that went on between veterans connecting, <laughs> it was pretty self-evident that those two things uh, needed to work together. And uh, I've just been committed to doing that uh, since then. So, uh, wow. yeah,
1: <laughs> wow. How did your, how did your first experiences go on the 2.0 with the plant medicines? Wow. That's a
2: great question. So yeah, about two years ago, so May of 2015 Mother's Day weekend, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, took ayahuasca over a three day weekend with a group of about 30 other people. And, uh, I'd taken it about four times, you know, uh, back in the day. Once Terrence McKenna's brew, the first time, and then another time with the shaman here in the US. And, uh, but just, you know, really limited experience and uh, just had a real, you know, a a beautiful introduction to the mother. But uh, yeah. And so now then coming back to it, I was really wide open and I had all the benefit of a daily spiritual practice for over 20 years and doing yoga and meditation Mm and, more conscious eating and all those kind of things. And I brought all that in there my own personal work that I've been doing on myself. I wouldn't have said, Oh, I have trauma. Or, you know, I didn't know kind of understand things like that. But basically I took ayahuasca over a three day weekend. The first ceremony was really just getting cleaned up. And in the second, it was really all about heart work and blowing up my heart polishing it and you know, cleaning it and then blowing it up and putting it back together over and over again until It was done for a while, and I said to Mother Ayahuasca, let's take this thing out for a ride, and I went to this uh, sexual trauma that I'd had in second grade. And uh, I was able through that experience to – it was like almost like a holographic memory that I was able to, you know, move myself around and, and view and look at. And my attention initially going to myself back at that age was where it naturally would go for anyone, but then I was able to shift to the person who was doing this and have empathy and compassion for that person. And when that transformation happened inside of me, the whole sort of whatever emotional residue or energy or power that was still locked up in me just basically evaporated and just, you know, moved out. And yeah, so I, yeah, exactly. So it was that powerful. And of course, you know, there's other work that led up to be able to have that kind of work and there was work and ceremony to get there. But yeah, that's, and so, uh, And then then I had just a lot of uh, opening about other things in my family and about veterans and uh, suicide and afterlife and all these other things. And, yeah, that was uh, the beginning that got me here, what, uh, a year and a half after that, having uh, taken ayahuasca 27 times and uh,
1: (laughs) other plant medicines as well along the way. Uh, Did it seem like it was almost orders from the plant to start working with veterans or to help spark that idea in yourself?
2: yeah definitely a mutual- a mutual interplay for sure you know uh i I could see the healing that i could see the healing potential and i was you know tr- trying to figure out my part in all this to make this whole system work you know and uh i just knew i just knew the the power for myself of reintegrating myself reintegrating myself after I got out of the military back into society. But now the process of rebuilding myself and remodeling myself, yeah, I could just see those two were just, you know, completely in, in, in alignment. And, uh, yeah, then, then, of course, starting to connect with veterans, <laughs> that completely reinforced it. In other words, initially it was just maybe more the power of the veteran struggle, the whole need to reintegrate, and then it was more the specific of meeting people that are like, yes, I'm using plant medicines <laughs> to heal myself, to reintegrate myself. Yeah, and then that just, yeah, that's, that's where a lot of the stuff, you know, it flowered from, it grew from, for sure.
1: Wow. How, how was it approaching the first veterans that you reached out to who hadn't been working with these plants before?
2: What actually happened was about two years ago, so first off, I had been invited with a number of other veterans to Washington, D.C. for the Americans for Safe Access Conference soon after the firing of Sue Sicily with our work around supporting veterans and PTSD and cannabis. And that really is kind of the beginning of the veterans cannabis, you know, movement or concrescence of it, bringing people out and connecting them together. And then in Austin, Texas, in April, the month after, uh, Robert Barnhart screened his movie, uh, and a new understanding. And that was just one of those great nights. You could feel that just the connections of people that were going to be there that you knew, you already knew and people that you knew somehow you were going to meet that you'd never met before in your life. And, uh, yeah, that, that night I ran into a, a veteran, Eric Glover, and we've been uh, kind of uh, partners and, and uh, buddies and supporting each other on this uh, this plant medicine path for the, you know, the, the, the past two years uh, since then. Yeah, so that – and then, uh, yeah, the, the response was immediately amazing. You know, these substances, how whatever doorways are coming in through MDMA or psilocybin or, or cannabis is a great, you know, tool uh, – are yeah pretty self-evident so then it was just meeting really meeting more veterans and already honestly discovering and finding out how other veterans who were ahead of the curve or whatever had already figured these things out around these plant medicines and now with the internet and everything else knew who Terrence McKenna was and had watched this DMT the spirit molecule and I was like <laughs> are you kidding me yeah so these people had figured it out on their own and gotten off the meds and the alcohol and everything else and gotten on cannabis. And then it was just a logical step of like, okay, you know, what other plant medicines are there that can help me? Cause I've gotten off all these things and I know that I feel better, but I still know there's a moral and spiritual injury here. And so there's still that seeking to address that.
1: Wow. So the ground was that fertile. People were looking for these. Yeah. Things. You know it, Yeah. But it's still a
2: kind of, you know, um, <laughs> many are called and few are chosen is that, uh, Really, I guess I just realized that it's a it's a small group of people, a relatively small group of people that are really, you know, f- figuring this out. That's been my job is for all of us, just to try to to find and connect with each other. Uh, there's a lot of people that are just they're still in the the pharmaceutical, you know, uh, prison, uh, and, and yeah, so
1: yeah. My my godmother is a psych nurse with uh, two. Uh, children in the military, and she says we these we bring these soldiers back, and we give them benzos and these heavy duty antipsychotics, and it makes you gain weight and often become sexually impotent. And how hard is it to integrate into society, you know, when you're fat and can't get laid, <laughs> and, no one, and no one understands what you've been through.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you can't relate to anybody. And these things give you suicide uh, and suicidal ideation, you know. And so you're stuck there in your own meat suit, and you're fogged out, and you have these this moral injury that's just eating away at your brain. Yeah, exactly. And you can't uh, do any of the fun. And ultimately, you can't sleep. That's the biggest thing is why cannabis is a lifesaver, is because these guys they can't get sleep because of the nightmares, the hyper arousal cannabis gives that sleep and if they've got pain you know just a lot of people's people have been blown up so they that's just like the sort of one two punches and then the anxiety so you you know d- during the day part so anxiety sleep and pain and then that's why cannabis is the you know uh, a lot it's it's a gateway to health for,
1: for these veterans wow yeah, one thing I've seen a lot is uh, veterans dabbing really high levels yeah. of cannabinoids, yeah. and I and I see it freak out some of their doctors because it's a lot of THC they're taking in, but it's also seems to be the amount necessary to really calm these reactions.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and then you know, and then obviously we're understanding that the other power things in the plant beyond the THC, like the CBD, where you can get those kind of benefits as well without, uh, you know. Uh, having to get as high in the, in the right strains for vets. But, yeah, dabbing <laughs> definitely works for veterans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how would you uh, – what's the ideal for setting up a ceremony for a veteran who might have been used to smoking pot to calm themselves down but now wants to advance to ayahuasca or Ibogaine or 5-MeO? That's
2: a great, you know, question, right? And sort of like, yeah, what's the, what are the protocols, what are the – the school pathways, you know, and we've been all figuring that out and making that up uh, as we go along for sure. But uh, I think it's safe to say that, and I've, I've seen it where the shamans talk to a participant and said, Oh, great. So you have some experience with mushrooms. Well, excellent. That's like, you know, that, that's really helpful. Now you've, you've taken that a couple times, even just that's it. Cool. That That's, you know, that's, if I, if the person is comfortable with the amount of personal work that person has done separate from more of their experience with the medicine, you know, then uh, you can be uh, okay with that. And, I, and I've taken a veteran through a ceremony where the sh- you know the shaman the healer had never worked with the combat debt before. So there was definitely uh, a mutual interplay. And that veteran, having had experience with cannabis and mushrooms, was really you know sufficient in, in their personal work to to do it. But yeah, I think definitely you want to. You you've got some people where. uh you know, they, they just need to be in cannabis for a while <laughs> where they where they can, you know, work, work out their stuff, you know, in, in a really kind of safe environment before they can get there. So it's it's definitely really depends on the person. So. Mm,
1: that makes sense. How uh, how many uh, veterans have you been able to work with through your various programs?
2: Wow. So this is really just getting started. This is just, you know, grassroots, you know, obviously uh, Ryan LeCompte, right, uh, took uh, – I think, six veterans down to Peru in 2014 with MAPS and CNN with Lisa Ling. And, you know, I kind of joked that was, uh, I guess that was the sort of uh, beta test. And then we went down and did it in uh, 2016, uh, kind of as the trial. And I think the trial, good news was that uh, just like that, it really showed promise for the healing of war trauma, service trauma. We you know, for, really didn't get to military sexual trauma. We invited some, uh, some women and just, Ultimately, didn't happen, but yeah. So I think it's just uh, re- really proving out that model and getting the people who want to do this connected up. So uh, on the flip side, you know, I know that uh, over thirty veterans have gone through Soul Quest in, uh, in uh, Florida. And uh, Chris Young down there is um, so, that, and I know that they've taken more veterans through the U.S., you know, or anyone else that I'm aware of uh, than anyone else. Uh, although, you know, I, I, and I joined some of our fellow veterans for a ceremony last Colorado, in Colorado last summer. Well, yeah, we're 25 of us, uh, did medicine, uh, and, uh, you know, so that was probably the biggest gathering of, of veterans. We had together, uh, trying to work to heal each other, really just trying to figure it out, you know, as, as, as we go. And so, uh. Yeah. So really, really, this is the beginning of that. We did this, you know, we did that kind of trial. We were lucky enough to capture it in a movie, and then now we can share that movie and start to bring people out and connect people who, you know, are interested in this and start to build a, a, a you know, a real infrastructure around. It. And so this is now just, you know, from a from a visionary and a proof of concept kind of stuff to start doing it.
1: That's great. Especially because the most important data here is in the stories. It's not in any mouse trials. So for you to put out a movie like Shock and Awe is such a great way to spread the message. Yeah. What was it like to to work on that, to pull a movie together while also doing these ceremonies?
2: Yeah. So. So. Right. So, you know, I. The thing we did in Peru was, you know, Soldiers of the Vine, and then I've been working with uh, Janine and Luke and Ryan and Matt and all these folks on Shock to Awe. And uh, yeah, so they were, you know, not only did you do this unique thing that was kind of crazy and obviously a little bit <laughs> underground, but uh, they were, they were filming it as well. And, uh, so that, that, that kind of made it even, uh, crazier. But I, th- I think, Everyone's trying to work towards the same thing, right, which is to share the message about what these plants can do. And so I'm down with anyone who wants to to make that happen.
1: That's great. Um, Yeah, Ian has a really cool uh, piece on his resume. He does continued legal education courses on cannabis to Mm -hmm. fellow attorneys, which I think is a pretty cool angle, teaching (laughs) lawyers about pod. Mm -hmm. And And also the Weed for Warriors project as well. Yeah, those are good friends of
2: mine, Sean Kiernan and, uh, really doing good work. And, you know, they're, they're like a really frontline force. These guys, you know, those people who just got back and really want to kill themselves ultimately just need a buddy, just kind of like a sponsor, right? Somebody that they can call and say, dude, I know exactly what you're feeling. I know exactly what you've been through. You know, don't, don't do it. And here's why. And here's other people that we're with today that are living proof of that there's another way, you know, and uh, really just focused on that level, just really creating that community more than anything. So,
1: wow. So weed for warriors often gets people just to get there. And as veterans for entheogenic therapy, then somewhat of a next step for people.
2: Yeah. You know, that's, I think what Ryan's been trying to do is put, you know, the top of the plant medicine pathway there, right. Uh, you know, on offer as a, is a regular track that, that can be done. And, uh, you know, the, the honest truth is that, uh, as veterans, let's just say we haven't been able to kind of make that happen yet. Right. We, he, you know, he'd set up that sort of infrastructure to want to be able to do that and just haven't had the, you know, money dedicated to take people down to Peru. So our sort of going as veterans to Peru and kind of totally, you know, do it, do it, go fund me, but then kind of bootstrapping it and, and any way we could pull it off just to just to do it you know hopefully that's uh, again a a more genesis to try to build more infrastructures to do it and the the real challenge lex is that you know Peru's office or south america is really not sustainable ultimately and you know just the cost and you know the the sort of ayahuasca tourism that that it generates by it and we need to be able to do that here in the u.s and i think that's why veterans are at the tip of the spear of the you know ending the drug war so that we can get these plant medicines Available here in the U.S. and not have to go to South America or, or even just across the border in Mexico, you know, to do it. And it really blows your mind when you start to travel around the world and you step across one little line and another, and you go, "Wait, wait, I gain's legal here, and it's not legal here. Wait, the state of mind that I had is legal here, but not acceptable here." It's yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> starts to get crazy.
1: So. Yeah. And from your perspective, what do you see as these uh, legal ayahuasca churches start to spread across the U.S. with their legal protections? What kind yeah. of space does that set up?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting, right? It's, uh, you've got the UDV and the Santo Daime that are two churches that originate in Brazil that have now come here to the U.S., and they have, you know, a legal protection that they've obtained through, you know, basically Supreme Court cases. And so, yeah, they're totally entitled 100% to do uh, ayahuasca in their churches. And, uh, you know, you're seeing other other organizations that are contemplating following in those same kind of footsteps in other traditions. I, I know a church, you know, out of a different country, right, in a different tradition that was looking at uh, – filing that paperwork so there's two ways you can go about it you wait until you get in trouble and then you fight it as a defendant or you get a declaratory judgment as a plaintiff where you say i want you to rule on this right and so that person was entertaining going that route and then we had this whole uh trinity the guzman uh, ayahuasca healings the united states first legal ayahuasca church on the internet with all the uh the the heavy uh modern day kind of internet marketing <laughs> and uh yeah, and then that really that really kind of blew things up, but also kind of like we can see with Trump, you know, started a whole kind of debate and dialogue that, right, previous to that really hadn't existed. And so then you had the, uh, you know, the ONAC church throwing their protection onto the Ayahuasca Healings Church. In my personal opinion, kind of is just a way to say to the U.S. government, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what are you going to do when you already had an ONAC church in Florida, right, Soul Quest, which is no longer the ONAC, uh, advertising ayahuasca, you know, another other plant medicine and ceremonies on, on Facebook. And so, you know, the the, the soul quest eventually did get a letter from the DEA and through all that chose to, you know, leave, uh, leave, um, act, but you still have a scenario where, uh, this ayahuasca healings really kind of brought this thing out as to what is legal and, uh, people that, uh, might be in churches that are totally legit or maybe more underground because of that. And then you got people on the other side. Now, like soul quest, they're saying, they said they were going to follow the exemption, I believe. And then, uh, which they wouldn't drink any more medicine, but my understanding is they're kind of going forward now and still doing that and kind of saying to us government, sort of, you know, what are you going to do? And uh, yeah, so there's a really interesting, uh,
0: Uh, Environments. You got more of these
2: churches come online.
1: Are they going to be more public or underground?
2: And then, yeah, so it's uh, (laughs) a wild
1: west. Wow. And can you explain ONAC to people who might not know it? Yeah, Oclavan
2: Native American Church is a church that basically uh, came from the formation of two tribes in Utah. Uh, The leader of that church was basically giving uh, plant medicines to addicts in Utah. He was, uh, you know, arrested and prosecuted, and took his case ultimately to the Supreme Court, where he won, even though he was not part of the Native American Church. Right? This is a different church. You could call it maybe a neo Native American church, and won protection there. So it's kind of like a chink in the system. So the only way it ever turned out is the uh, U.S. Supreme Court would right, which you'd have to Utah would have to appeal to, which they haven't didn't, or you'd have to have some change in the U.S. you know legislature right in the laws. But we've got this religious freedom restoration stuff enshrined now. So it's kind of like a chink in the matrix or something where they can't really close it down, but, you know, they can't – they don't want to kind of let it grow. And that's why some of these ONAC churches then have taken cannabis, which is the sacrament in the ONAC churches, and tried to do some cannabis activism through their – churches, which has actually caused some problems for some of the other groups and concerns that the church being used to do that. So it's this weird kind of legal quirk that uh, different experiments happening with and that's when, you know, that the head of ONAC gave that protection to ayahuasca healings. Uh, saying they're gonna do a church in the US to me is a way to kind of say to the US government, Okay, you know, go ahead and prosecute these guys. They're kinda of <laughs> going crazy. Let's let's yeah. See
1: what so yeah. Yeah, it's very brave because it is the people. It's not very politically sexy to be going after native churches.
2: Yeah, and all those people, the interesting little sidebar here is every person who's in the leadership of Ayahuasca healings is not a U.S. citizen, and the U.S. government (laughs) solved their problem from their perspective and banned every single one of them for life.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. That kind of hammer for plant medicine. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so, you know,
2: <laughs> they're not they're not in jail like, you know, Dona St. Campos was, the practitioner from Peru who was in France recently, and, uh, yeah, but still, they, basically, they're never coming back in the U.S.
1: Yeah, so. wow, man, oh, man, yeah, yeah, everybody say thank you to your ayahuasca uh, people, whoever they are, if you're in the Western <laughs> world, you know, thank them for the risk they're taking, man um now you had a an interesting personal uh gift lately that you you gave to someone else correct sure yeah yeah i uh gave
2: my son uh a gift of a three-day ayahuasca ceremony for his 18th birthday (laughs) (laughs) you know and uh definitely wasn't expecting to ever be giving that gift or having to be received and uh you know, since you're really right, there's two things to take ayahuasca from my perspective is that you have to be called to the medicine, which is obviously something personal. and Then you have to have the integrity to receive it, right, which is the kind of spiritual, physical, emotional integrity that you're committed to do the work and to do the work after to, to put yourself back together. And, uh, of course, my interest in these plant medicines, which has been ongoing but really rekindled in Healing 2.0, I didn't expect any of my kids to be into this stuff because I was. But, um, when that happened <laughs> and my oldest was, was called to that, I was like, wow. And then I you know, put myself in issues. I was like, wow, can you imagine being 18, kind of your whole life ahead of you and getting to do this? And we don't have rites of passages in our society. This is, you know, this is cool. This is, this is badass. you know, just <laughs> look, look what, look what we're missing out on. You know, at the same time, you're seeing the, the chance to give this gift to someone else. Yeah. So, uh. We participated in a ceremony, a three-day ceremony with about 30 other people, and uh, yeah, it was one of the best experiences of my life.
1: <laughs> wow, that's beautiful be able to go with your son. And it's so true. Rites of passage is just such a lost concept here, and it would be so helpful for people.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, like, what, you know, sort of, from his perspective, he learned and then what I've seen in our family dynamics uh, since then so this was, you know, with people who had a lot of good family stuff where there was, you know, a husband and a wife or, you know, multi-generational stuff. And uh, where everyone and people had known each other, too, and drank together before uh, in other other circles or in the same circles before. And so there was a super degree of vulnerability where you got these adults, you know, from him is right coming into adulthood, anywhere from his age, you know, young adults all the way up to in 60s saying, you know, their vulnerability around their personal stuff right off the bat, you know, that just sort of self-honesty. You're just like, whoa, this is, wow, everybody has, you know, fears and doubts and insecurities and weaknesses and faults and shame and anger and anger, you know. <laughs> wow, that's just such a revelation to your own little ego living in this meat suit, right, about like, I'm the only one that's, you know, messed up here or screwed up here or different or whatever your feelings are. So that was, that was really powerful. And he didn't come in there with a lot of, you know, with with trauma that he needed to work on, like, you know, I brought him to, to my work. And so it was just, uh, you know, more, you know, love and growth and uh, openness. And so, uh, yeah, we got to walk around together outside because some of these were going on during the day. And, uh, yeah, that was just like, you know, something as simple as walking around with, well, in this case, it, it felt a lot of brothership and kinship rather than like dad to sonship, you know, and because he's coming into adulthood. So I'm kind of like, dude, like, I know I'm your dad, but like, we're, you know, we're like more like spiritual brothers in this kind of thing together. That You know, we've been put together in this setup, but just, you know, simple things of like just walking around outside in nature were just some of the most memorable things that I'll have. And uh, yeah, then just all the, the positive changes that rippled into uh, into the family were really amazing.
1: Wow! Wow! That's beautiful. It, it just seems so sane. <laughs> but I'm curious about I'm curious about pushback. If you've gotten any about family work or you know your work more in general.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I guess if I'm honest, those are probably like most of us the challenges within our sort of greater family, right? Of you know. <laughs> It's not the more public stuff, because then you're already kind of connecting with people who generally, you know, you're connecting with them because they share your same vision. It's more of those people who really know you well, who know the old you, too. You're like, well, wait, I know you, he, and he's an asshole. Now he's what? Is he claiming not, not to be an asshole enough? <laughs> I'm still an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, just been doing some it's work. A little on. bit less. Yeah. So I, I think it's really just, it's just family, interfamily dynamics that are uh, still the, the, the challenging stuff to work on. So i mean the, the how's this the pushback I have gotten and it's totally fair is hey where's the uh where's the apology where's the compassion for the people that you killed basically and it's like that's totally legit, that's just way further down the line. that's just putting the cart before the horse you have to the the the, the message out of proof for the veterans was self love self acceptance self healing self forgiveness, and that's what you have to have for all this stuff, veteran or not. So you got to go there first, and then then that other stuff will naturally flow from that. So yeah, that that probably be the only the uh, only pushback so far anyway. But you know, <laughs> it'll be great. I mean, people I'm sure will ask, it, and I've asked the question. I asked that to my fellow veterans. Is this natural plant healing just so we can put more veterans into the war machine? You know, and, and asking is an open, honest question. You know, just. And certainly, with more medicine work myself, that, I don't find that to be the case because I have just, you know, come to the conclusion that war is just inefficient for getting any of the morality. So it's just inefficient; it doesn't get us what we want. So let's be more efficient with our resources. And so, yeah,
1: it's <laughs> great; it's good work. Um, yeah, and one one question I'd like to end up with is, especially for someone like you, if you had a, the the chance to write the laws about how this stuff went out, or if you were given a big grant to just keep continuing your work, what would you want to see done the most?
2: Well, I want to set up some kind of reintegration system to bring back veterans from war and reintegrate them back into society with plant medicines and all these other technologies, you know, yoga, acupuncture, flotation tanks, EMDR, you know. Uh, any kind of body wear, all those kind of things. And then that be the model for how you're going to heal other non-veterans, but civilians, you know, right, who have those traumas themselves. And, or uh, hospice care. It's basically veterans being the ones to prove out the model for this kind of holistic healing uh with platinum medicines being, like, you know, integral to it, integrated medicine. So, yeah, that would – uh and that's what I'm trying to do is to show people that this is a viable option and uh, get people to start supporting it and, uh, yeah, and investing in it, you know, committing to it. That's great. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you thank you so much for your work. And where should people go if they want to hear more?
2: Uh, Thesoldiersofthevine.com. The that'll point you to our Facebook page where you can watch our video there or watch it on YouTube or Vimeo. And uh, yeah, then you can connect with myself or any of us uh, uh, on that page.
1: All right. Well, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And thanks for all this great work.
2: Uh, My pleasure. Thanks, brother.
1: Thanks again for listening to Symposia on the Psychedelic Salon 2.0. Do us a favor. Go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating or review. Tell your friends. That's how you can really help us out. Thanks to Matt Payne, who engineered the sound, Joey Witt for the intro music, California Smile for the outro music, and Brian Norman, who produced the show.